Finding himself alone, Pao Yu began thinking about a certain painting he remembered having seen in Cousin Zhen's smaller study. It was a very lifelike portrait of a beautiful woman. While everyone was celebrating, he reflected, she was sure to have been left on her own, and would perhaps be feeling lonely. He would go and have a look at her, and cheer her up. But as he approached the study, he experienced a sudden thrill of fright. A gentle moaning could be heard coming from inside it. Good gracious, he thought. Can the woman in the painting really have come to life? He made a tiny hole in the paper window with his tongue and peeped through. It was no painted lady he saw, stepped down from her hanging scroll upon the wall, but his manservant tea leaf pressed upon the body of a girl and evidently engaged in those exercises in which Pao Yu had once been instructed by the fairy Disenchantment. Stone. Uh, Kevin Wilson here, joined as always by William Jones. Will, how's it going today? Very well, thank you. Uh, the chapter we're going to dive into today is set at Chinese New Year, which is the kind of great annual celebration within Chinese culture. And at the time of recording, we've just had Christmas, which is, which is I suppose, the kind of nearest equivalent, right? Okay, yeah. Um, uh, and so I feel there's like a there's a kind of neat little parallel there. Okay, this, so this is chapter 19 uh, in the Hawks translation. A very earnest young woman offers counsel by night, and a very endearing one is found to be a source of fragrance by day. Uh, first impressions. Well, we've just come off the, the kind of two-chapter section dealing with the, uh, the garden. Um, you know, this great garden that they've built um, for Jia Yuanchun, who's a daughter of the family who's been elevated to the status of imperial concubine. And so they, they, they have built this kind of grand garden to receive her. Um, and so, yeah, most of the last two chapters has been about that, and it's been full of kind of poetry and literary illusions and, and mm. very kind of high-minded stuff. And... This chapter is much more kind of down to earth. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I had the same kind of reaction. Uh, the last two chapters were really exciting. Uh, There's a lot of great references. I found myself diving deep into kind of the Tang uh, literary poetic tradition. Um, but it, it was so, there's so much material. It was kind of a dizzying exercise you know kind of uh like a 
intoxicated by the glitz and glamour. And, and so this one, this chapter, by contrast, has been a breather, um, yeah, very more grounded, um, even though, there, as always, there's always going to be a, kind of a magical glint to the various impressions. I thought, you know, I was thinking this chapter might be one of our uh, most extended um, glimpses of the relationship between uh, Bao Yu and Dai Yu. And so we can probably talk about that a little bit. And we also learn a lot about uh, the not, not only the relationship between uh, Hua Xiren, uh, Aroma, and Bao Yu, but also some of the kind of socioeconomic, sociological, sociopolitical circumstances in which that um, kind of semi-professional, uh, very hierarchical relationship has been formed. Um, and so there's a lot in this chapter that that is of kind of deep, you know, like deep deep significance for anyone not only studying literature but trying to understand uh, Qing, uh, like social dynamics. I think this is a, kind of a invaluable source, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 fascinating. You, we jump back and forth between the the kind of grandeur and splendor of the of the Rong mansion, uh, which is, you know, kind of vast and, and, and kind of maze-like and filled with kind of, you know, great halls and, and elegant gardens. Uh, we switch between that and then kind of the homes of poor servants where kind of everyone uh, lives and eats and sleeps all together in one room. Yeah, so the contrast is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Do you want to do a quick summary recap? Yeah, of course, of course. So, as we mentioned uh, in the previous chapter, chapter eighteen, we have the return of Jia Yuanchun. So, you know, the story revolves around this this noble family, the 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 Jia family, um, and one of the the kind of daughters of the of the family, Yuanchun, she is um, chosen to be a concubine of the emperor. So it's it's a kind of great elevation and status for her. Um, and it's also a, a great show of favor upon the family. So everyone's very excited and happy about it. And then the emperor decrees that um, concubines should be allowed to return home from the imperial palace to their families to visit. But because they're, you know, as concubines now, kind of part of the imperial household, their families need to kind of construct um, new elaborate kind of ceremonial places to receive them. And so in the case of the Jazz, they demolish part of their mansion and uh, rebuild it as this very elaborate, very grand garden full of kind of different uh, marvels, um, different kind of buildings, different kinds of sort of like plants and, and amazing views and artificial mountains and lakes and things. And then in, in the previous chapter, she at last returns. Uh, they're very excited to receive her. Uh, there's this great sense of anticipation, uh, and indeed they're they're kept waiting uh, for quite a long time before she does finally, uh, you know, emerge. Uh, and then they kind of spend the day together, admiring the garden, having kind of emotional reunions. Um, there's a, a passage in the middle where several of the characters write poetry together. Uh, we did quite a kind of close analysis of that last time. Um, and then she she watches some some theatre. She visits visits the the buddhist kind of shrine that they've set up there and then 
she has to kind of be on her way and that like her arrival is also very kind of tearful and emotional um mm-hmm. and then in this chapter we have a kind of pivot um round to quite different subject matter um so everyone is rather kind of tired after spending all this time preparing for Yuanchun's visit as mentioned this is around the time of um chinese new year which is you know traditionally a kind of holiday time a time for spending time kind of together with your family and stuff so everyone is sort of at leisure uh including the servants uh several of them seem to have gone back to visit their families um and all of the members of the household all, all of the family themselves are engaged in kind of leisure pursuits of one sort or another um whether it's watching theater playing games um what have you um and our central character uh jia baoyu um he you know he's a he's a teenage boy he's kind of impatient at a loose end and so he takes one of his uh manservants um having disturbed him in the midst of having sex he he interrupts his manservant having sex and then tells him to come with him <laughs> and go off on a journey together and they go off to visit one of his female servants uh known in the in the hawks english translation as um aroma in chinese hua xi ren um so he goes off to visit her at home uh this rather catches the whole family by surprise um but they do their best to entertain him before sending him off mm. and then on on his return to the mansion he sees her again uh and um she tells him that actually she's been discussing with her family whether she might leave service uh in the jia household and return to to live with her family uh, and this is heartbreaking to Bao Yu because the two of them are in a a kind of romantic sexual relationship um and this is actually a ploy on her part um she has no plans to leave at all um but she's kind of using that threat to try to encourage in him um a reform of some of his his bad behavior and then in the final passage uh we see Bao Yu spending time with um his cousin and and one of his major love interests uh Lin Daiyu and nothing too much of note happens it's just a rather sweet passage of them kind of tucked up in bed together um talking and chatting and sort of joking around um mm. and that's more or less where we leave it uh how about we jump right into it then um let's go with feet first yeah so i i guess the first what do you want to talk about first well i think maybe it's a kind of scene setting we can talk about what a couple of the different members of the of the sort of ja family are are doing at this point so, so i mean it seems like there was a, a great deal of preparation right for for yuan chun's visit you know everyone was running around like mad um and now that she's she's visited and she's she's gone on her way she's been packed off um there seems to be this kind of collective sigh of relief and so it, yeah and so everyone is just kind of for the most part sitting around relaxing right so uh a couple of people are playing um you know things like go you know which we call chinese chess mm-hmm. um in other cases they've arranged for some plays you know for some for some actors to come in and and, and put on some some theater for them to observe uh some of the other men of the household are, are playing um they're just kind of drinking and playing drinking games together um 
uh, and gambling and that sort of thing. Mm. And so this kind of is a sort of uh, reminiscent of, yeah, maybe the day after a big holiday, uh, you know, the, ba- the day after Christmas. Uh, in, in our it, it case, did, it, yeah, it really did remind me of that. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're experiencing right now. But you also see uh, certain members of the household are busy, um, kind of uh, taking things down, so to speak. Um, uh, Shifeng, especially, is is preoccupied with sort of the uh, deconstruction of various festivities. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked before about how she... She doesn't know how to relax. No, exactly, you know. She's she's a kind of prominent member of the family, but she is also responsible for a kind of management of the household or, or, or overseeing management of it anyway. And, um, yeah, she's probably the one who worked the hardest in preparation for uh, Yuan Chun's visit. And now is the one working the hardest to supervise all of the, yeah, taking everything apart. Um, packing it all away, tidying up. And, and so the fact that, you know, given this um, state of affairs, they still are having uh, plays being performed, you know, on the premises. Uh, do you think, does that speak to the opulence of this family? That, you know, like, even during downtime, there's still, you know, enough resources to dedicate toward uh what what do we have here like three or four full plays or productions being conducted uh, yeah i suppose so it definitely it speaks to them being able to uh yeah there's actually a there's a good line in in the hawks translation so the plays that they put on are um very dramatic full of uh action and noise and things uh, all of them, but especially the last two, seem to involve much rushing in and out of supernatural beings, and the sound of drums and cymbals and blood-curdling battle cries. It carried onto the street outside, where the passers-by smiled appreciatively and told each other that only a family like the Jazz could afford theatricals that produced so satisfying a volume of noise. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, the the loudness is the thing that apparently really, um, you know. Okay. Again, a kind of conspicuous consumption, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas, you know, often you see that in, in a visual sense. That shows how far we've come because maybe the day after Christmas or the day after New Year's, even uh, the most opulent families probably just, you know, they, they put on the Lord of the Rings or something and, uh, <laughs> you know. Just take it easy. It's a, it, it is, a, it, it is a, a major production, but it's purely abstracted and you know there's no one physically laboring to do it perhaps i don't know so you're saying they should really have people performing it live you know oh in, no yeah. <laughs> in the back garden yeah i hope there's no like one presenters listening taking notes yeah on how to be more uh wasteful <laughs> <laughs> okay um and so this is the moment when Naturally, and, and so here my uh, sentiments are entirely in line with Bao Yu. I also would want to slip away from this proceeding, and I too. So, so Bao Yu, he remembers, you know, there's this, a painting of a, a beautiful woman that he's seen before, and he starts kind of in, in his um, in his playful, soulful capacity. He starts to wonder, well, maybe the maiden in the painting 
is lonesome, you know. Yeah. So maybe he should he should pay her a visit. Yeah. Um and so so what happens when he goes to visit the maiden? Uh so this is another yeah, this kind of reminds me of the one scene when they uh they're at the party, then they slip away from the party. I think that was chapter something. I think maybe um, eleven, I think it is. Eleven, okay, yeah. yeah. We just we released that episode recently. Mm. So I was uh re listening to that. Um and so he slips away from the party and here's a, a kind of it's as if he enters into the painting. It it reminded me a little bit of um there's a famous Pu Songling uh short story. Uh, the painted wall, where you know there's this wonderful scene, and then a scholar is transported by a, via magic into the the painted scene, uh, and this kind of had this kind of, I, I think, had an interesting kind of parallel. Well, where there's a there's a moment where it seems as if uh, the painting is alive because he hears noises that seem as if to be emanating from the painting, mm. uh, and, and the, the noises are at least partly uh, feminine. And so he's wondering, you know, is is the maiden calling out to me, you know? Yeah. And so you can, you can, you can tell he has a really active imagination and uh, it carries him away, you know? Yeah. Uh, to me, this, uh, this whole passage, it, there's an overtly sexual, there is an overtly sexual element mm. in that, you know, when he, when he, Pokes a little hole in the in the kind of paper window and looks through. He sees that the the noises from inside are coming from his manservant Tea Leaf having sex with a a maiden. Who, for now, we 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 don't know who she is. We don't know her name. But even before that, it's kind of foreshadowed in a way. Um, there's a there's a feeling of I guess there's a more kind of implicit sexual element um, here. Um, so. I think the the fantasy of the the woman in the picture uh I I feel like I can't think of any examples at the moment but it seems to me a, a relatively familiar motif that may have come up in mm-hmm. in other places you know um oh, f- oh, you for know, sure you, yeah you see the lady in the picture so many times or you see the person in the picture so many times that you 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 allow yourself to kind of fantasize that they've that they've come to life um but but yeah, or the painting is so good that you you almost start to wonder: is it real, or is it realer than real? Yeah. You know, it, it's so uh, captivating. Yeah, I suppose it's not a uh, a terribly kind of highbrow reference, but I can remember seeing a, a film some years ago, um, a, a French film uh, called uh, L'homme du train, the the man on the train, and there's a scene where one uh, kind of old man is talking. Uh, he's pointing to a picture in his living room and it's a picture of a beautiful woman and he's talking about how many times you know he's masturbated over her um <laughs> and, and <laughs> i mean it's it's less kind of explicit here but it's the same sort of um energy yeah the the, the sensible has you know uh has merged with the the sensuous and, and, and he even uh did you notice should we read this line or- yeah uh, well just there was one thing i was going to observe which is he in the Hawks, it says "cheer her up," but in the Chinese, the the specific character is um, "wei," which is more like to comfort. Um, but the thing is, mm. this—I don't know whether this is a more modern uh, euphemism, but it is a, a euphemism for masturbation, um, 
when you pair it with the character for self, zi, so zi wei, to comfort yourself, uh, <laughs> is in fact, you know. Uh, and so, uh, uh, when you kind of couple that with the fact that, um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those in-between days where uh, everyone's more or less at a loose end and he's probably pretty bored, it's not difficult to discern what he maybe had in mind, uh, you know, his reasons for wanting to go and visit the, the beautiful lady in the empty study. So I'm looking at the the original here, and, and yeah, he says he's going to go Wang Wei Ta Yi Wei. So like to visit, and so like like Wang uh, would be to visit, mm-hmm. right? And Wei would be like and Wei, like to console. Yeah. But I, I think it definitely has that sort of. Um, it definitely has like like you're saying a uh, he wants to a sexual. <laughs> undertone yeah and then as he's approaching the study he can hear as you mentioned a, a kind of panting or moaning from within um but but then right. yeah what does he do um uh, when he when he gets close and so then he it's not merely that he opens the um i'm looking for the exact quote so i'm gonna read from the hawks here he made a tiny hole in the paper window with his tongue and peeped through and so it's almost as if uh, he's trying to use all the senses, right? So he even like, he's got the sound, he's got the sight, and now he's like almost tasting the scene. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, and that's exactly what it is in the Chinese that he tian po chuang zhu. So he licks a hole in the paper in the paper window. You know, it's almost as if the only sense that isn't mentioned here is the sense of uh, scent. Which is maybe interesting because later in the chapter, uh, scent is um, greatly emphasized. The author was thinking, well, I, I shouldn't talk about the scent of this scene because we're going to be talking about scents so much later on. I wonder if that's kind of a, a kind of an aesthetic choice, a way of balancing mm. the senses. So, so having, having interrupted the, uh, the lovers, or, or rather having, having observed them, Bao decides that he... Uh, He's going to interrupt them. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's similar to him and uh, he's interrupted lovers before, right? Has, this yeah. is round two for him. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's hard to be Bao Yu's friend <laughs> or acquaintance. Yeah, so so in an earlier chapter, as you mentioned, his his friend, uh, Qin Zhong, R.I.P., <laughs> was, uh, yeah, w- was in a pretty similar situation. Um, he was uh, just starting to i think i think he you know they they were just kind of getting underway um having sex him and uh a, a kind of nun initiate um at a buddhist temple uh, when yeah Bayu decided to to interrupt by by literally jumping on top of them i think uh, <laughs> okay whereas here he just uh, kicks in the door yeah this is much worse maybe or i, I don't know <laughs> i mean i guess and so we get it we get to learn a little bit about this scene apparently this was this was his servant, Tea Leaf. The Chinese that is... Uh, Ming, Ming Yan, I think. Right, Ming Yan. So it's literally tea, tea scent, tea steam. With a, a maid servant that Bao Yu doesn't recognize and, and we have not been introduced to uh, before this mm. scene. Yeah, we learn her, her Chinese name is uh, Wan. Uh, is literally swastika in the in the Buddhist sense. Uh, obviously, it's you know 
predating the Second World War, um, because her her mother, when her mother was pregnant with this girl, um, she she dreamed about a piece of um, kind of brocade silk, um, woven in all the colours of the rainbow with a pattern of lucky swastikas all over it, and so she was given that name when she was born. And I know it's unintentional, but for for you know a, a modern reader, it gives the whole scene an additionally sort of surreal aspect i suppose mm. the uh the nazi swastika has been reversed right this is in, yeah very much intended to be a, a a lucky name um and it's kind of interesting actually so she yeah so her mother had a really amazing dream where she she dreamt some kind of um multicolored like brocade or like a silk or and it's actually what they used to describe multicolored is again the, the five color the wu se, and so that's really interesting because we that also has a a dreamlike quality. There's there's actually a scene in the um, the supplement to the Journey to the West, uh, Shiobu, that has it's a kind of a marvelous scene where it has this really dreamlike quality, and these these young children are talking to Tang Sung the monk. And they're describing all the like amazing uh, silks and uh, cloths that their their mothers are capable of um, creating. Um, yeah, and I think one of them is just like this, like a multicolored silk. Right, um, I I had I hadn't appreciated that at all. So that's like, you know, for me very very interesting to to note. And so 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 Bao Yu, he uh, you know he broke up the fun, but he wants to have some fun of his own. Um, mm-hmm. and so he's kind of thinking with tea leaf, you know, where can they go to, what kind of fun can they have within reason? Right. Where can we go? What can we do? I, I, I do think that the first half to the first half of this chapter, at least is quite a good illustration of how, uh, I guess of two things about Balyu's character. One is, um, how little regard he seems to have for other people's feelings or boundaries when he's in pursuit of his own <laughs> yeah or boundaries <laughs> exactly when he's in pursuit of his own kind of uh his own fun um but the second is how there's something kind of irrepressible and charming about him that allows him to get by despite being um quite kind of insensitive um um Mm-hmm. to other people it's that combination of yeah like charisma but also sort of this mischievous uh transgression uh that really kind of yeah he, he's sort of a he's a he's his own little monkey king in a way if you think about it uh he, he's you know he's always up to up to no good but you know the mischief he causes is never um it lacks malice i'd say yeah he he always is you're right he's always up to no good but there's always somebody there to to sweep up the the mess all right so having disturbed tea leaf and uh swastika what do uh what does Bayou decide to do uh for fun i i mean a few uh, places are suggested there seems to be some sense that they can't go too far given the time uh, allotted and so basically they decide to visit uh, Shiran 
uh, or aroma, um, which is kind of an odd choice, right? What what did you think of that? I suppose um, she's on Baoyu's mind. Uh, she has gone home to visit her family today. Uh, they they live nearby, uh, so it's possible for her to visit them just for a day and and come back. Um, he. I suppose he wouldn't have been kind of deprived of her company very often. You know, she would kind of be around more or less the whole time, close at hand. So maybe it's, the, you know, new, surprising, even bewildering for him to be separated from her um, mm. or not to have her immediately at hand if he wants. Um, we saw earlier that, that um, one of the gifts that uh, Yuan Chun had sent on her return to the Imperial Palace was um, some sweetened, what they call kumis in this, uh, which is a kind of some kind of milk-based drink, um, mm-hmm. which will become kind of important later. Uh, and he decides that it, Bayou decides to set that aside as a gift for Aroma when she comes back. Uh, but but honestly, I think the reason for it here, uh, and tell me what you make of this, is I think he was probably frustrated in his um attempts to um have some time alone with the lady in the painting um and <laughs> because that's no longer on the cards he his i suppose his mind has passed on to the like another kind of target of his of his sexual interest which is uh which is aroma uh Shiren. and so maybe that's why they decide to go go visit her you know that hadn't occurred to me but that kind of makes sense uh if we remember chapter five, that was his visit to the land of illusion. Uh, th- then he comes back and, and he's sort of um, with uh, Shiren. And so here he, he kind of wanted to go to another land of illusion, namely the land of uh, like painterly illusion. Uh, yeah. And so it's almost, it's a similar dynamic maybe. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, when, when he gets back from the land of illusion, she's the first person he sees, right? When he wakes up and, and, uh, you know, and so his his, uh, I guess his sexual longings from that dream are, are kind of transferred onto her somehow, and and yeah, huh. maybe the same thing is happening here. Um, that's that's actually, I, I like that better than the. I mean, the other interpretation I had was maybe he simply wanted to see what her house was like. He he was interested to see her family and and just he's curious. You know, I, I'm sure he wants to see what uh, like uh, the other side you know, quote unquote, lives like. Um, I think it is. I think he definitely does have a fascination with how the other half lives. Um, or, or to be honest, in this case, the other 90-something okay, yeah. lives. Um, um, th- there's just one thing which y- you mentioned they, they thought of doing some something else apart from, you know, they came up with a couple of ideas but decided against them. Um, one of them is going for a ride outside of the city, mm. right? Um, and Baoyu says there's too risky because they might get kidnapped. Um, and we know because uh, right at the beginning of the story, uh, uh, Zhen Yinglian, uh, the, the daughter mm-hmm. of Zhen Xi, is, is, is abducted. Is, yeah, um, and she's now a, a, a maidservant in the in the Jia household. Um, so it's, it's very kind of... Uh, believable that you know that that really is a passing remark but it um yeah it speaks volumes it really speaks to the level of 
civilization and you know the a relative lack mm. of genuine security uh in traveling um yeah th- things that we kind of take yeah. for granted uh, um at least for now <clears throat> who, who knows <clears throat> maybe in 20 years ago the u.s will uh <laughs> descend into chaos and you'll no longer be able to pass from uh you know cross country without it's already kind of a you go through some of these small towns in the u.s and there's these horrible cases of like what's called uh civil forfeiture where they basically like local um, oh my god yeah local police forces basically like just steal whatever you might have on you and there's really like almost no legal recourse (laughs) uh so you can imagine if that were um exaggerated or you know if if that situation were magnified you might have a similar kind of fear I expect, yeah, it could all end up rather kind of Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, road yeah. Type. <laughs> uh, all right, so so they decide to go visit the uh, uh, Aroma. And I, I mean her, her whole family, the, the Hua family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so they, they ride out uh, nearby. And um, the first one that spots them is actually Aroma's elder brother, uh, Hua Zifang. Mm-hmm. And I think he's maybe not expecting this. Uh, I think Bao Yu is maybe not expecting this, but his arrival causes quite a lot of concern, quite a lot of kind of consternation mm-hmm. uh, among the among the Huas. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's really not appropriate. <laughs> it's almost like your boss showing up at your home um, and sort of poking yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, because it is a very it's a very complex relationship, isn't it, between uh, Bao Yu and uh aroma mm-hmm. uh, because yeah he is he's her boss even though he's also they have something close they have a very intimate relationship mm-hmm. notwithstanding the fact that they have this actual relationship you know just the the master servant relationship mm-hmm. the the closeness that you have to each other over so many years i think does develop a does result in the development of a great kind of intimacy mm-hmm. um but but you're right. He he's he's dropping in unannounced. Yeah. And he seems not to realize the the kind of significance of someone of his status just you know kind of dropping like a um a kind of a pebble into a still pond uh, into into their lives. Mm. And, and so you you can really imagine this scene, and suddenly this um this you know less well-off family uh is is forced on you know on on shiren's day off they have to you know tidy up and then prepare you know various um you know, snacks and tea appropriate to Baoyu station uh and so you can imagine just a whole household suddenly you know forced to you know <laughs> engage in all these kind of um yeah, absolutely. I mean, the day they were hoping to relax and spend time together, suddenly they have to, uh-huh. you know, be, be putting on, um, you know, exactly as you say, cleaning up, making it all nice for him, uh, and also not to, they have to not really kind of grumble about it, even though it's a, it's a real inconvenience for them. Right, and so they mention in the text, you know, cakes, nuts, and dried fruits were arranged on plates. Uh, with painstaking attention to symmetry and design, 
Uh, I mean, this, yeah. this sounds terrible. You just want to relax. And suddenly you have to, uh, you have to like kind of, um, especially because if this is a poor family, then these small gestures could really be uh, more uh, onerous, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be much more kind of expensive for them there. And they're not going to have the same kind of resources to, you know, in a, in a household like the Jazz, they're going to have lots of different kind of things stored away so that if they need to, in a pinch, they can, you know, pull out any kind of fresh or preserved food or, or drink. Um, whereas the same is not true of the of the Huas, right? At this moment, Bao Yu meets uh, some members of the household uh, that he hadn't met before. Uh, in particular, uh, one uh, young girl in a red dress. And that's going to be a, kind of a, a key plot point in a moment. Yeah. Th there's a one point that I think is, uh, I guess, kind of drives at home. Um, so when he first enters the house, um, it says, he saw four or five girls sitting down inside who hung their heads and blushed when he entered. And I think this echoes uh, an earlier scene. I think it's in uh, chapter 14. Uh, when they're when they're going to the funeral, um, and they stop off at a village along the way, um, and the village that they stay in, the house they go into, um, it's only a one room house, and there's this kind of panic among the the women of the household, that where are they supposed to kind of hide themselves away when the visitors come in because mm. there's only one room, and so there's no other space for them to kind of sequester themselves away in. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of seems to be the same thing here right you know it's um there's some feeling of shame for the the girls here uh in being kind of right there in the male guest's presence but it seems like there isn't anywhere else for them to put themselves because i guess it's a pretty similar sort of um household arrangement right mm -hmm. yeah yeah you really get a sense that um, one only sort of uh, gains self-consciousness fully when you have this outside um, influence kind of perceiving you. Yeah. And so, like, all of a sudden, they have this, this foreign pair of eyes. Not only that, you know, um, those of um, someone of um, considerably greater uh, social status... Uh, and, and all of a sudden you become like a sort of self-aware and, and self-conscious. Yeah. Uh, especially as like the house becomes kind of a ref like an extension of your own body uh, in, in various yeah. ways. Yeah. The, the, and there's no one really in the household that isn't provoked to some kind of feeling by his arrival, whether it's um, alarm or whether it's this sense of kind of um, urgency to, to prepare, you know, food and drink and lay it out or, or whether it's in the case of these girls just a sense of kind of um sudden uh shame or bashfulness mm -hmm. i i want to say the only kind of uh you you could still get a sense that uh shiran uh aroma has control over the situation and to a certain extent over Baoyu because she's able to sort of divert his uh attention on them uh to their attention on his magic jade yeah and so that's a uh, that's kind of an interesting sort of um a way to uh 
to turn the tables and, and now all of a sudden it's not his looking on them it's them looking on you know his like precious or supposedly precious item right yeah yeah she's very skillfully kind of deflects there mm-hmm. so I, I thought that was uh remarkable I was just going to say it just yeah it, it very quickly becomes apparent that his presence is not really appropriate and it's best if he if he kind of goes back but they decide whereas they had he and tea leaf had ridden their own horses she sends him back in a kind of covered cab um mm-hmm. because she is concerned that someone will see that he's visited um uh, and this will not be looked on favorably by other members of the family and the, I guess the negative result of that could somehow um, have an impact on Aroma herself, even though she is essentially blameless in in the matter. Mm-hmm. Right, especially if there's some perception of uh, sexual dalliance, right? Yeah, um, I, I think that this is this does just kind of drive home the point that I was making earlier about Bayou just not really realizing the impact of his behavior. Uh, I mean, when he first suggests going to see Aroma, Tea Leaf says, oh no, people will blame me. They'll say I put you up to it. And Bali says, no, no, don't worry, don't worry. It's, I'll tell them it was my idea. And then lo and behold, when they get there, what does Aroma do? She blames Tea Leaf for putting him up to it. Um, and he has to <laughs> swear that, no, you know, uh, you know, Bali forced him to do it. Um, uh, and now again uh, as we see you know aroma says you have to get you have to go back you know in a covered cab so no one can see you otherwise you will get in trouble and then i will get in trouble as a result so do you want to look at the next scene i kind of want to contrast um you know that domestic setting with uh you know Bauhaus quarters yeah. and here it's kind of the opposite so now you have this very um spacious area extremely luxurious at least that's what i'm imagining it and uh and you have just a lot of idle maidservants just sort of um kind of like there's a sense of you know like children who've been left alone unfortunately that's kind of the dynamic that they've been placed into where like the master is away and now they can play games and uh maybe like like pilfer various things from the the storage area and so there's kind of a uh, another, again like a, a party in Baoyu's absence that he um, returns to. I yeah, think. yeah. They're they're finally able to just kind of relax now that the master is away, um, and that seems to have been the case for many of the servants. Hence, Tea Leaf's dalliance with Swastika in this um, in this uh, this mm. study. Um, right. I, I I did like the kind of setting of the scene. You know, there there there's a couple of the maids sitting around playing playing games so you know playing go playing dominoes and um yeah they've been they've been snacking on on seeds all day um yes <laughs> um I, I, and so i i i mean you must have seen something similar at points but the way a lot of things like you know pumpkin seeds or melon seeds are served is still in the shell so you kind of crack it open with your teeth to get the seed inside mm-hmm. and then chuck the seed shells on the ground um, and gradually these kind of build up if you've been sitting there eating all day until the whole floor yes. is kind of covered in in loose in loose shells. In the U.S., it would be sunflower seeds. Exactly, uh, that's the most common, yeah. uh, like indulgent form of, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. There's actually a bar I've been to, um, not 
that far from where I live, where they serve the, uh, like all patrons get a free bowl of like a, we call them monkey nuts. I don't know. They're they're like, they're a nut very similar to like a peanut that comes in a kind of shell. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, again, you kind of crack open the shell, chuck it on the floor. Uh, it's a bit like eating pistachios, for example. Um, mm-hmm. But again, normally by the end of the evening, when you walk over the floor. It's this kind of soft padded feeling because you're just <laughs> you're walking <laughs> on a carpet of of, of nutshells. Um, uh huh. And actually, unfortunately, um, before Bao Yu arrives, um, uh, Li Mama, who we were introduced to in chapter eight, eight, is yeah, that correct? chapter eight, who was sort of no fun in that chapter, mm. and sh- she's back, and she's no fun in this no chapter fun either. I I I wanna, I. <laughs> I feel a bit sorry for Nanny Lee in this chapter, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Well, she's really? a she's a kind of irritating old busybody. Um, uh-huh. You know, she pokes her nose in where she's not wanted, and um, she kind of makes a nuisance of herself. But I suppose the thing is, you know, she she is Bayou's old wet nurse, um, and so which she brings up a lot. Yeah. This is her, the second time mentioning this. Yeah. She's like. Yeah, this is a, a big part of her rhetorical um, arsenal. But, but you know, I mean, uh, so there's, uh, as wet nurse, she would have fed him her own breast milk. Um, mm-hmm. um, but presumably, even after he'd finished breastfeeding, she would have been involved in uh, in raising him and looking after him when he was a child. Um, and now that he's a teenager, he kind of no longer needs her. Um, and that's why it seems she has been she's kind of been put out to pasture almost. She's been kind of paid off. Mm. Um, And so once upon a time, she would have been very important among the servants. Um, And now she's kind of become rather insignificant and nobody much cares for her. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Not least of all Baoyu, right? I mean, he, he doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to visit her or write her letters or anything. Um, And so she feels kind of a bit cast aside, I suppose. Um, and so even though she is quite an annoying character, I, I do feel for her because she's had this great kind of loss of prestige um, and loss of influence. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, the respect that she maybe feels she's entitled to from uh, the other servants, she doesn't seem to get. Uh, and there's just one parallel mm-hmm. that I think is worth drawing, which is with another one of the wet nurses, uh, Jal Mama, um, who's the wet nurse to Jalian, the husband of um, Wang Xifeng, who we met in chapter 15, maybe? 14, 15? Okay. And she has a similar complaint, which is Jalian, you know, never, never visits her, never looks in on her, but worst of all, he never does anything to help uh, Nanny Jal's other children. You know, so I was I get the impression with the wet nurse relationship that, you know, these are a kind of lower class, poorer women um, who are able to make a living by being by literally providing breast milk, but also nursing um, rich children. But presumably Mm -hmm. they do that somewhat to the detriment of their own children. Um, Right, right. Or maybe I'm not sure how that works. Uh, whether 
the body adjusts somehow based on not not necessarily that they that, that there's any kind of detriment in 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 feeding them the milk but just literally in that she may have to give more of her time and attention to the child she nurses mm-hmm. rather than her own child um mm-hmm. um but yeah absolutely we see here that she is um we see how far she's kind of uh fallen um you know okay, yeah. so i mean um do you remember in chapter 6 we had the character of uh granny leo leo laula mm-hmm. she course, is yeah. a you know a, a very a very poor and very distant relative of the family who basically comes to the mansion to more or less to beg for for money um um without appearing to without appearing to do so um and when she first arrives she's standing outside the gate um and there are some some men standing outside the gate and she tries to ask them you know will will so and so be be out anytime soon can i you know can i speak to him and for the most part they just ignore her uh and then when they do respond they actually kind of send her in the wrong direction um mm-hmm. and you have a similar exchange here with uh with Nanny Lee with Lee Mama you know she she's asking after Bao Yu you know is he is he eating well is he sleeping well that kind of thing and um and the other maids are just like you know they they ignore her or they give her kind of joke answers and one of them even you know says uh in Chinese how you know uh it, it, it hawks translates it as old nuisance but it's more like uh, what an annoying old cow sort of thing um, um so she she says that loud enough for nanny lee to hear um Ooh. so you know yeah. she's she's really disrespecting her to her face um and then there is this this um this thing with the with the the kumis the the, the kind of milk drink right yeah and that's where the uh, the breast milk. So this this is kind of I think this is a maybe a, a semi alcoholic um, milk based beverage. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Maybe like something like a white ration almost. I think, I think I think it's I, I, I think it's like uh, the alcohol generates itself within the milk. I, I don't know exactly. It's it's kind of like a, there's a drink that's popular in in like some parts of Eastern Europe called like kefir or kaffir, which is like. Um, yeah, it's like a sour milk based drink. Um maybe a bit like a little bit kind of yogurty. Um but kind of like quite a thin. And this is like slightly sweetened. Anyway, it's kind of like sweet, creamy, milky drink basically. And uh and so Bao Yu knows that uh Shiran liked this last time. And so he kind of set it aside for her and like uh uh Nanny Nanny Lee she naturally wants to um to have some and they try to stop her and her kind of argument is like well i can't have this milk beverage when i myself you know provided my own milk to Pao Yu. that's ridiculous and she kind of she kind of goes ahead right and there's this real like um displaced mother kind of um reaction from her you know she she feels very much like she's been replaced by uh, aroma right you know she uh, to me it's kind of like um she used to be the kind of like number one servant most important to Bayou, and now that he's no longer a, a, a complete child you know now that he's 
somewhat grown up um and you know he he he's interested more in girls his own age um <laughs> she's um she's kind of <laughs> cast aside um but this is a kind of gesture of defiance on her part you know she doesn't want to she's going to drink the milk the milk you know and 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 to hell with it you know nobody's going to tell her otherwise we've actually seen this once before though um a, a similar thing um yeah right so in chapter eight do you remember so in, in chapter eight Bayou had been eating dinner um in the in the ning household of the jack clan and he there had been some leftover tofu dumplings i think that one of his other maid servants i forget which um had liked before so he'd specially taken them back and set them aside for her to eat uh and again um, while they'd been waiting on the side, Nanny Lee had swept in and taken them off to give to her children. And in that case, mm-hmm. Yu was so uh, he was so angry that she'd done this that uh, he smashed a teacup. Right. Okay. Yeah. And actually, uh, Shiren later is going to reference that scene in the way that she handles it. She like basically um, is avoiding. A recurrence of that uh, sort of event, and and you know why why is it that she wants to avoid a recurrence of that event specifically? Well, there had been a, a major uh, commotion, and um, I, I think actually Lady Wong had had, had overheard, and, and they had to create a lie basically to cover it cover yeah, it up. Yeah, they said that they said one of the other maid servants, Snowpink, had. Uh, done it um and she was actually uh you know dismissed from service she was fired basically for that we hear um oh okay so that's that's a that's an important detail hmm. then right so that, that that's an example of Bao Yu's actions leading to um you know undesirable consequences for other for his subordinates in effect yeah yeah absolutely so that's gonna that's gonna be a theme basically um yeah maybe that's the first uh, the first instance of, you know, Bao Yu's, either his anger or his lack of um, foresight. Mm. Causing trouble for others. Causing trouble for others, yeah. There's just one final thing I want to touch on before we go, which is um, the way that um, Nanny Lee refers to uh, Aroma. So we learned that basically when, when Nanny Lee was a servant herself, before she was kind of given retirement, um, she kind of trained Aroma up from a, from a girl, from, you know, from the beginning, um, and she still kind of thinks thinks of her that way, and so she uses these two terms, Malyato um, and Awar, to describe her. Um, so, uh, Yato, as we've discussed before, is like a, a girl, but normally a maidservant in this case. Um, and so Mao is uh, is like a thin hair. So a thin hair maidservant, basically, is, is how she refers to her. We we might kind of say like a, a slip of a girl in English. Um, hmm. But but the the implication here is that she is insubstantial, I suppose, in some ways. Um, and uh, and then yeah, um, ah, the the other phrase she uses is ah wu are so ah war. Um, which is like um, a thing, a useless thing, basically. Um, you know, 
uh, which again is just illustrative of this kind of dismissive um, attitude that she has towards her. And it just really, for me, it really drives home the way that she is struggling to adjust to the kind of the changed circumstances that she and Aroma exist in relative to uh, Bao Yu and relative, you know, their, their kind of positions within the household, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I looked up uh, Mao Yato, and I think the Mao just means like young. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. It's uh, the definition I got was naive girl. Ah, uh, okay. Or, okay. Uh, Sha Sha Um, so I guess it's just like she was just a kid, you know. Yeah. Apparently, it's one of the examples in the in the in the dictionaries from Hong Kong. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, you, sometimes you search up a word and it, like it gives you a definition that is for the specific instance that you see it, which makes you wonder. How uh, generalized? Yeah, I, I think that it, in many ways it's a bit like Shakespeare. There are a lot of uh, terms that are essentially, yeah, newly coined, definitely within within Hong Kong.